Welcome to Christian Natural Health with naturopathic Dr. Lauren DeVille. Christian Natural Health is the podcast on how to get and stay healthy God's way. You'll hear topics on nutrition, exercise, sleep, avoiding toxicity, meditating on scripture, what supplements to take, stress management, defeating anxiety and worry, how to reconcile Eastern medicine approaches with Christianity and a whole lot more. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lauren. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome back to another episode of Christian Natural Health. Today, I'm excited to have Stephen Arms with us. Stephen lives in Portland, Oregon with his wife, Emily, and is the proud father of two young children. In his book, Milestone to Manhood, Stephen shares his firsthand experience of his rite of passage weekend with his dad and reflects on how it shaped him into the man that he is today. Welcome, Stephen. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, tell me what inspired, so you co-wrote this book with your dad, which is the coolest. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what inspired the book. Why did you feel like our culture was kind of right for that? Sure. Yeah, I wrote the book with my dad. Um, It really centers around a rite of passage weekend that he actually organized for me when I was growing up on my 13th birthday. Right. Um, And a rite of passage is, it's an event in a boy's life that he can look back on and say, this was the moment that I became a man. Mm-hmm. And my dad organized a weekend with my grandfather and with my uncles. Mm-hmm. Um, they took me away. There were a few different rituals, uh, sharing exercises, discussions about manhood, biblical manhood, um, and some prayers. Mm-hmm. And that was the weekend that I can look back on in my life and know that's when I became a man in my father's eyes. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, I never really questioned kind of my status as a man. Yeah. Wow. So, and you have brothers too. Did they go on these? Because what are you second in four? Okay. So yeah, I'm the second of four boys. Um, Each of my brothers had one of these rites of passages as well. And then all of my cousins did too. So we did do um, rite of passages for the the girls of the family, oh, you but did? that was kind of um, yeah. But that was always organized by the females, by the women, right? So the yeah. women attend the rite of passages for the girls, and the men attend the rite of passages for the boys. Okay, so you mentioned like your your dad and and grandpa and uncles, but were like was your older brother at yours? Were you at your younger brothers or no? So my older brother should have been at mine. But he was actually sick that weekend. Oh, no. So he didn't come. But what, once you're kind of initiated into manhood, um, then you are 
uh, then you attend the weekends for the younger siblings and younger cousins as well. So I did go to my younger brothers and my younger male cousins. Yes. Um, cool. And one thing about the weekend is that we always kept the weekend a secret. So the the next boy yeah. in line didn't know that it was coming. So it always Ooh. made the boy feel very special and unique, you know, that the yeah. family went through so much organization to hold a weekend like this for him yeah. um and he, he didn't know it was coming so it was always a secret oh I love it that's so cool so what stands out in your memory from your experience anything in particular I mean I remember a lot of the weekend um if there was one thing that I would say was a takeaway for me it was that I was accepted as um, one of the members of the tribe of men in my family yeah. that I could go to them um, with with anything moving forward uh, through ups and downs in life. If I ever had questions or was struggling with something mm -hmm. in my life, I could always refer back to these men in my life, in my family. Mm -hmm. um, they told me that their their proverbial doors were always open to me and that they would always have my best interest in, at heart. So mm -hmm. whatever I came to them with, any of my struggles or fears or doubts, um, they wouldn't judge me and that they promised to help me through those times. So great. Yeah. So, and why now for the book? What made you guys decide that the culture was right for that book right now? Well, good question. Um, for one, it, it has to do with our family. Um, like I said, we always kept the weekend a secret. So we didn't really talk much about it in a, in public settings um, during family events because we wanted it to be a secret for all of the, the kids and the grandkids of the family. Sure. Um, now, my youngest cousin, Andrew, just had his rite of passage mm -hmm. in 2020. So okay. when he had his rite of passage, it was like, well, now we're, we've all been initiated. There's no more of this generation. Right. Um, so now we can talk about it openly. So yeah. that's when we decided, well, now that our whole family has had this rite of passage, why don't we put together what we've learned in a book and share it with the rest of the world so that yeah. other families can benefit from it in the same way that ours has. Yeah, that's great. Very cool. And so uh, you described that there's three components to the rite of passage. What are they? So there's three components that make up any rite of passage, right? Uh, to take a step back, a rite of passage is an event in a person's life that marks the transition from one stage in life to the next. So um, an example of a rite of passage might be like a high school graduation ceremony. Sure, yeah. So um, high school is ending, their school is ending. You have a, a rite of passage event, a high school graduation ceremony. And then their their next chapter in life, whether that's college or vocation or working life, um, starts next. Um, another example would be a wedding ceremony, um, right? Single life is ending. You have a wedding ceremony, which gives you emotional closure that single life is ending and that a new chapter in your life, your married life, is beginning. So a rite of passage isn't unique to a 13 year old coming of age, sure. but there's three elements that make up any rite of passage. There's a separation. Um, so you have to be separated from your normal 
comfort zone mm -hmm. from your sphere of influence, mm -hmm. there's a challenge or a journey mm -hmm. um, that gives the boy uh, a chance to rise to the occasion and mm -hmm. prove himself as a man. Mm -hmm. And then there is the reintegration back into society, no longer as a boy, but as a man. Very cool. So, so those are the three elements. So what kinds of challenges are typically involved in these weekends? Yeah. So for us, um, the challenges were mostly sharing exercises. So uh, it wasn't, you know, the boys in our family, I wasn't sent off into the wilderness to go <laughs> kill a deer or yeah, sure. survive by myself for three months. Right. Um, um, in other cultures, you know, in tribal societies, right. that's appropriate, right? Mm -hmm. But for our society today, that just wouldn't be helpful mm -hmm. for a boy to make the transition to manhood, right? right. Um, so my dad and my grandfather, when they made up this weekend, um, they decided that our quote unquote challenges were going to be discussions amongst the group about what it means to be a good man, what it means to be a godly man. Yeah. Um, and some other exercises, uh, one of them is called the ribbon ceremony. Uh, the ribbon ceremony, each of the man, each of the men come before the weekend prepared with, uh, ribbons that have qualities that they see in themselves, both good and bad. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the, the, the ribbons might say hardworking, faithful, and honest. Mm -hmm. And then he might have three ribbons that say greedy, lustful, and selfish. Hmm. And then he, the man explains to the group why he wrote down what he wrote down. Wow. And then it's the boy's opportunity to untie from the man stick any qualities that he wants to take from the man mm -hmm. and leave the qualities behind that he doesn't want to take. Mm -hmm. So ideally, the boy is left with a stick full of positive character traits that he sees in these men that are close to him mm -hmm. that he wants to emulate in his life. Yeah. And then the men are left with their negative character traits, which it's their responsibility to take those home and to work on them. To get rid of them. Like with God's help, of course. Yeah. With God's help, of course. Right. Yeah. One of the elements of the weekend is that we light a fire in the cabin in a wood stove mm -hmm. and we keep that fire lit for the entire weekend. Yeah. And that fire represents God's presence. You know, fire is a symbol for the Holy Spirit. Love it. Yeah. And so the fire, you know, keeping the fire lit the whole weekend represents that need in our lives to always maintain the flame of faith, right? Sometimes it's hotter, sometimes it's colder, but the most important thing is that you never let it become fully extinguished. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um and actually, so at the end of the ribbon ceremony, the men who have their negative character traits, they actually place, <clears throat> excuse me, they actually place their ribbons in the into the fire, which represents one, their desire to burn away their defects, and two, their reliance upon God to do so. Love it. Very cool. So the weekend is full of different rituals like that, that are kind of the quote unquote challenge element of the rite of passage weekend. Right. That's awesome. So, and for you and also for the other men in your family, what did you see in terms of maybe the way you carried yourself or different perspectives going into the weekend, even though you didn't know it was coming versus coming out? What, what, what do people experience as part of that change? You know, I would say 
primarily the benefits of the weekend for me were long-term, you know, I mean, I experienced this weekend as a 13 year old. Now as a teenager, I had my ups and downs like anyone, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't a a perfect child, you know, as a teenager. Um, but it was really in my, in my college years that, um, it was really in my college years that I realized what a blessing that this weekend was. Mm -hmm. And, um, as I was saying earlier, you know, I think the biggest way that it impacted me was knowing that I could rely back on these men and that I was a man in their eyes. Um, when I was in college, I really started to doubt my faith and I stopped going to church. I didn't know if I believed in God or wanted to continue to practice my faith. You know, um, college was a big transition for me, like a lot of people, because I didn't have my family going to church with me every Sunday anymore. Right. It was kind of all on me now. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I kind of floundered there for a bit and I wasn't sure if, um, I, I knew that I needed to seek guidance, but I wasn't sure, um, what my dad or my mom would think about me questioning my belief in God, or if I told him I wasn't going to church anymore. So I had a lot of, uh, internal turmoil, you know, I didn't know what to do. And ultimately it was in college that I looked back on and I said, I, I re I remembered, you know, during this weekend, they said that if there's anything that I need to talk to them about, that they would have my best interest at heart and that they would not judge me and that they would help me through anything. And so that's when I took my dad and my grandfather up on that offer for the first time was in college. And I told them kind of my doubts and what I was going through. And they, you know, they were able to share more about why they believe in God and their own faith journeys with me. And Mm -hmm. they didn't answer every single one of my questions, but they definitely were able to um, help me back on the road, help me back on the straight and narrow. And, you know, hindsight is 2020, who knows what would have happened otherwise, but, uh, I can honestly say that I'm not sure that I would be practicing my faith today if it wasn't for this weekend and um, the relationships that I established during that. So, like I said, I think primarily the benefits of this weekend are a long-term benefits. You know, I was a pretty typical teenager, but it wasn't until my twenties that I realized like, wow, this, I I come from an amazing family and um, I have men in my corner that will help me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, and obviously if a kid doesn't have, or a boy doesn't have this experience of the rite of passage, they still ultimately become an adult. What do you see as kind of like the difference between adulthood and manhood? That, yeah. That For me, um, you know, I, I look back and I know the exact moment that I became a man, right? It was the end of my rite of passage weekend. And my dad and my grandfather and my uncles told me that in their eyes, you are now, you are a man in our eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know the exact moment that I became a man and it was at 13. Mm -hmm. Now I didn't become a legal adult until 18 years old. Right. Mm -hmm. My, my dad didn't kick me out of the house and say, I have to get a job, get my own apartment at 13. That wouldn't have been appropriate. Um, I think that manhood is, it's about the way that you treat other people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that a man 
primarily thinks of others before himself and a boy thinks of himself before others. And I think a 13 year old is capable of manly behavior in that way. So Mm -hmm. I don't think that 13 is too early to initiate him into manhood. Now he's not a full grown adult yet. So like I said, um, he's not going to get his driver's license at 13. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I think there is a difference between manhood and adulthood. I mean, certainly there are many male adults today in their 20s, 30s, and beyond who don't act like men, but they act like boys. Yes, yes. And specifically, you're defining that as that kind of internal focus on themselves as opposed to what they can do to serve the world around them. Exactly. Yes. So um, this whole concept of toxic masculinity is kind of a buzzword these days. You kind of describe the opposite as virtuous masculinity. I think you kind of touched on that, but can you expound on the concept of, of how this can help transform us culturally? Yeah. Um, virtuous masculinity, I would say, is using our strength as men for the benefit of others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Bible says that husbands need to love their wives the way that Christ loved the church, Right. And the way that Christ loved the church was a sacrificial type of love, right? He died for our sins. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't necessarily a sentimental type of love, right? Um, It definitely wasn't a selfish type of love. It was a very selfless love. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the type of virtuous manhood that each one of us men are called to. Right. Um, Women too, in in a slightly different way. Um, Toxic masculinity, I think that, you know, it's, to be honest, I I don't think that they're, when, when kind of the the more liberal side criticizes manhood, um, Mm -hmm. it's, they're not 100% wrong, you know, Mm -hmm. they, it's true that there are a lot of men who don't act like men, they act like boys, and they end up hurting people, you know. And I think that's why this whole idea of toxic masculinity developed is because there are a lot of men who fail to um, uphold the standards of true virtuous manhood, you know? So uh, I heard it, I heard it said once that the left is really good at describing the problems at finding the problems. They're just really bad at making good solutions. Yeah, absolutely. And so I I don't think that they're wrong in saying that there are toxic men out there that are bad men, but not every man is a toxic man. There are lots of virtuous men too. So I wish that those people who have been hurt by men could experience what it's like to be loved by a good, holy, virtuous man as well. You know, I wish that everyone had a relationship with a man like that in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and as you say, since there's a description of, you know, what's wrong out there without necessarily an answer, the book is kind of targeted on the family, the nucleus, but do you have anything to say about, you know, kind of like broader, how do we take this message and send it out to the world and say, this doesn't have to, things don't have to stay broken. You know, I think that a big part of it and the problem that we're at in our culture today is that men are not acting like men, like I was saying. And that's why, you know, these people are saying, oh, these toxic males and they're criticizing masculinity because of the failure of some men. Sure. And I think that 
I think that's somewhat of a fair criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that one way that we can fix that is that if fathers told their sons at the appropriate age, son, I consider you to be a man in my eyes now. And if every father in this country did that to their sons, maybe it's at the age of 13, maybe it's 15, maybe it's 18. Mm -hmm. But if they did it at the appropriate age, I think that the boys would no longer feel the need to prove their manhood to themselves, Mm -hmm. um, whether that's violence or video game addictions, right? Slaying, you can slay the dragon in a video game. Yeah. The sexual conquest of women trying to get your manhood by um, through through sleeping with a woman. Mm-hmm. All of those are just ways that boys are trying to prove themselves as men. Mm-hmm. But if a father just affirmed affirms a boy mas- masculine identity by saying, in, in my eyes, I see you as a man, mm-hmm. then the boys wouldn't feel the need to do those type of things because the father has affirmed his masculine identity. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, and this of course is reminding me of Jesus rite of passage that's in the scripture. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that plays into this? Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, growing up, I never really understood the story of the finding of Jesus in the temple, right? It just kind of seems like a story that's included in the gospels, but it's kind of like, what the heck is going on there? You know, I mean, for many years, I didn't really understand that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really in the research of writing this book that I came to find out that the story of finding Jesus in the temple was his rite of passage. And that was the the story of him making the transition from boyhood to manhood. Mm-hmm. And there's a few reasons why I say that. One is... Um, the gospel writer tells us that it occurred at the age of 12 years old, right? He's very specific in including that detail. Um, 12 years old is right around that age of entering into teenage years, puberty starting, right? It's right at that transition between boyhood to manhood. So that's an important detail. Um, The second part is that the story follows the three elements of a rite of passage. So there's a separation. Jesus is separated from his parents in the caravan. Mm-hmm. They don't know where he is. He's lost in the city of Jerusalem. You know, here he's a 12 year old boy. I mean, could you imagine if you lost one of your kids in Jerusalem? You know, it would be terrifying. Right. Um, and then there's a challenge. So he's ultimately he's at the temple engaged in discussion about scripture with mm-hmm. priests and scholars of of scripture mm-hmm. um so here's a 12 year old you know obviously he's he is the word he's god so he knows it better than these grown men do but mm-hmm. he's having a discussion about the scripture with these grown men right um and then finally there's a reintegration back into his family right his mom and dad ultimately find him Mm-hmm. And if you look at how Jesus talks to his mom after, mm-hmm. um, you know, he doesn't go running back into her arms crying and saying, I'm sorry. Right. He, she says something along the lines of, why did you do this to us? Didn't you know how worried we would be? And he says, what are you talking about? Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? You know, yeah. the way that he says it, it comes off as kind of cold and um, 
almost callous, you know, but he says it in a way that a man would say, like, of course I would be here. You know, he, the way that he talks is how a man would talk, not as how a boy would talk. Mm -hmm. Um, So Jesus experienced a rite of passage uh, in the, in the story of the finding of Jesus in the temple. Mm -hmm. Now his rite of passage doesn't look a hundred percent like what our rite of passage in our family looked like, you know? Um, But then again, I think we can all agree that he was a little bit different than, you know, you and me. The rest of us, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Not where I thought you were going to go with this. I was expecting you to talk about, you know, God opening the heavens and saying, you are my beloved son, and then going out into the wilderness. But I would not have thought of that one. I could totally see it, though. And it's the right age. So. Well, I think it's safe to say that both are kind of a rite of passage. Like I said, you know, rites of passages don't only occur at the age of 13. That's kind of the, the leap from boyhood to manhood or girlhood to womanhood. Yeah. Um, but we do experience rites of passages at other times in our life as well, right? Like yeah. high school graduation, college graduation. So I think the baptism of Jesus where he started his public ministry officially, he kind of went from this private figure to a more public figure. Mm-hmm. I think that's safe to say that that's a rite of passage as well. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anything I have not asked you that you want to make sure you leave with our audience? Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, I would say, you know, if people want to find more about the more information about the book, they can visit our website, which is milestone to manhood.com. Um, they can also pick up the book on Amazon, just type in milestone to manhood into the search bar and it'll pop up. Awesome. So I will include those in the show notes and thank you, Stephen, so much for your time and for writing this book. Sounds like it's something our culture really needs. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Are you looking for a holistically minded healthcare practitioner who truly treats root cause rather than symptom suppression? Unfortunately, even in the alternative healing professions, this isn't a given. That's why I've created wholehealthdoctor.com, a resource to help connect patients to healthcare practitioners in their area who share a root cause philosophy. Alternatively, most of the practitioners listed also practice telehealth. So if there isn't anyone local to you, you can still find a great practitioner to help you regain optimal health. Go to wholehealthdoctor.com. That's whole healthdr.com, type in your location or adjust the specialty that you're looking for and find the practitioner who's right for you. Thanks for listening to Christian Natural Health. This show is run by you. So please write in with topic and guest suggestions for future shows. For more great content, subscribe to Dr. Lauren's blog at www.drlaurendeville.com or follow her on Facebook or Twitter at Dr. Lauren DeVille. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to share it with your friends and give us a five-star rating in iTunes. It really helps us to stand out so other people can discover great content as well. Have a great week and God bless you. Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, 
You can listen to daily devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.